in whenever we look at plants, when we look at herbs or essential oils, we also think of them as resonating with different systems in the body. So like you mentioned, the spleen or the stomach. So when you choose the place where you want to put the essential oil on the body, you would be thinking about both two things. You would be thinking about where essence, because we know that essential oils have essence, we would be thinking about where essence was accessible. And then we would be thinking about which system we were interested, what organ system we were interested in. Hey, my name is Cheryl Witten, and this is the Aromatherapist Podcast. My newest book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, is the antidote to confusing aromatherapy instructions and bad recipes. This is the book you need to undo everything you've learned on the internet. In this book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, I explore how to use essential oils safely. You can learn with me about essential oils and allergic reactions, irritations and sensitizations, phototoxicity, methods of application, types of carrier oils, how to dilute by age and health condition, the right way to ingest essential oils, contraindications for pregnancy, epilepsy, children, and more, and the aromatherapy secret everyone wants to know, the blending formula you need to finally properly calculate your own DIY recipe or blend. Essential Oil Dilution Guide is available now on Amazon. My guest today is Josephine Spilka. She is a teacher, mentor, and body advocate specializing in classical Chinese medicine, Buddhist meditation, and essential oil education. She has studied herbal medicine with Taoist master Jeffrey Yuan and discovered essential oils in the context of Chinese medicine alongside him. She began to use essential oils as as a main medicine for herself and her clients, and after 22 years, nothing has changed. Essential oils are still her favorite way to treat herself and most of her clients. In 2007, she was invited to teach essential oils at Taoist Traditions College of Chinese Medical Arts in Asheville, North Carolina, and she enjoyed it so much that she began to create her own courses for existing professionals. And so today we talk about essential oils in the context of traditional Chinese medicine or classical Chinese medicine. And I had such a great time talking to Josephine because I just love this healing system, first of all, but also approaching essential oils through this lens is very interesting to me. So we had a great conversation. We talked a little bit about Chinese medicine and just some of the theories in Chinese medicine, the basics of classical or traditional Chinese medicine, and then how essential oils fit into that paradigm. And so I have to warn you, her audio sounds fantastic. Mine, I don't know what planet I was on. I sound a little bit wonky. And I've done my best to try and correct the audio. We just we just don't have the scheduling ability to to redo this this chat. And she just provided such good information during this interview that I've decided to keep it the way it is and done my best to edit it. Anyway, just a little bit of warning. The conversation is wonderful. And so my friends, Josephine Spilka. Hi, Josephine. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you uh, start working in traditional and complementary medicine? Well, I started... When I was in my 20s, I wasn't a very well person and I went to see an acupuncturist and I became 
completely fascinated and enamored with the way Chinese medicine looked at the body. And, and, and it was a radical change in my health. So uh, it inspired me to uh, study. I began to study probably right, right after that, I began to study herbs and essential oils, and then I went to school. Amazing. So you're specifically trained in classical Chinese medicine, correct? I am. I am. And oh. I studied a long time ago. So I studied mostly with people who came directly from China um, and were trained in China. They get trained in all the classics in, in seven years of school. They get both Western and Chinese medicine together. Okay. So today I want to talk a little bit about, because you work with um, essential oils, so I want to talk a little bit about Chinese medicine. And I have some training in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions. We may have different answers, um, but I would just kind of want to get your perspective. So let's just jump right in. I want to know a little bit about the energetics of essential oils and how they kind of work with Chinese medicine, but we kind of need to lay the groundwork first. So can you just talk a little bit about just the system of Chinese medicine. Absolutely. So um, Chinese medicine was created by people who were curious about the way their bodies worked and the way the world worked thousands of years ago. So it's, it's I call it an observational and experiential style of medicine. And the main thing, the main framework is looking at the way the world works and trying to understand how that relates to how the body works. And we call that yin and yang, which you could also call night and day or hot and cold or uh, movement and stillness. The, the basic forces of the universe, everybody can see them, everybody can feel them. And when you begin to explore them, they have infinite manifestations. And as as you begin to watch the way light works and dark works and hot works and cold works, and then you begin to think about how that works in your body and on your body. And um, it's this beautiful way of exploring the nature of things and then talking and thinking about them. And we use the word qi, and qi, I think this is fundamental to the way I understand Chinese medicine, that qi itself is not a thing, but an actually a relationship. So we only see qi because there is a relationship. And that basic relationship, you could say, between yin and yang, the manifestation of yin and yang is a person, <laughs> right? The manifestation of yin and yang in the world is trees and grass and all the th other things we see in the natural world. So um, I love that sort of the basic... Uh, linchpin you could say that if you look at chi as a relationship then you can begin to see there's we talk about there's 27 different kinds of chi but when we talk about essential oils we're going to talk about two main kinds of chi which are really easy to understand if you think about what we call the the way chi or the way we relate with the external world some people call that defensive chi, but my teacher, he likes to say it could be defensive, it could be offensive. You know, it's, uh, it's just the way we relate with the outside world. And in the terms of essential oils, that is their smell, their aroma is uh, equivalent. That's their wei chi. 
And then in um, the other aspect is their substance, their actual essence. And, and because essential oils are made to extract the essence of the plant, they resonate with the essence of a person, which for us is the, it's like DNA. It's like what you, what you receive, the actual substance you receive when the sperm and the egg come together, your essence begins. And um, the way you relate with your essence, you could say, we call that uh, yuan qi or um, jing qi. Uh, Jing is the word for essence. And in essential oils, that's their actual substance. So they embody both, both that essence level relationship and also the relationship to the outside world. So it makes them very uh, powerful for things that come from the outside, like viruses, for example, or um, moods, the way we relate, like the wind, when the wind blows and we have different moods, same in and uh, the essential oils are amazing for that type of thing because of their relationship with that okay so are you saying that the essential oil is the chi of the plant is that what you're saying not i wouldn't say it just exactly like that but very close i would say that it, it the essential oil as a substance embodies the it's it's different than the plant so when yeah. we make an essential oil we we can't say the qualities of the plant are the same as the qualities of the essential oil. So the plant itself will have its own manifestation of Wei Qi, but the essential oil has a manifestation of Wei Qi, and that is the smell. And it has a manifestation of Jing Qi, and that is its very substance. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know if it... Let, let's just go through some of these things, because I think that... Um, in our Western culture, we don't under, we don't understand, or we have a stunted view of energetics of plants and things. So I kind of want to bring you through that process to kind of help everyone understand the nuances of Chinese medicine. So you mentioned you, I mean, you've already talked a lot about qi and yin and yang. Um, there are other ways that we understand Chinese medicine um, and the body through Chinese medicine. Excuse me. So can you talk a little bit about the other vital substances and what are their energetics or characteristics? Yeah. So I think the easiest way to think about it is to think about the layers of the body. So like I was saying, we have this outer layer relates to the outside world. Then we have sort of this inner layer relating to our inner world, which in Western idea, you could say that's uh, metabolism and physiological function and organ systems and whatnot inside the body. And for, for the vital substances involved, there are blood and what we call fluids, right? So blood and fluids uh, and the relationship we make with them, we call that ying qi, so, or nutritive qi. So that nutritive qi sustains our daily life, what we call postnatal life, postnatal qi and blood come from that relationship. And that's probably the most recognizable to people. And of course, it's governed by the primary meridian system. So in the classical way of looking at the body, there are actually five different channel systems. So the primary channel system, which is what most people know and most people use for obvious reasons, it's the biggest highways in the body, but um, that's, the mo that's the system most involved with metabolism and function. And so... Um, a great deal of our energy is involved with creating postnatal chi and blood. 
Absolutely. And for me, the way I think about that, and we'll get into this probably a little bit later, but I think about, I, I've organized the way I use the essential oils into those three types of layers, into that way level layer, the outside, into the inner layer, like how we relate with our bodies and our emotions, uh, the yin chi, and then how we relate to our essence. Um, and I find that that's a really easy way to kind of keep them in your mind in the things that they do best, the different essential oils and how they relate. And do these substances have specific characteristics? So I know some of them are like, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, moistening, you know what I mean? Those are drying or whatever, um, yeah. lubricating, nourishing, whatever they are. Do you know what those are or can you explain them? Sure. So I, I like to keep working on the basic foundation, right? So you have yin and yang, right? So you have qi and yang are the warming substances, you could say. But like I said, we use that word qi, and I like to think of it as a relationship. So we create heat or warmth through our relationship. So um, it follows that um, that's the yang aspect, the warming aspect, right? And then the blood and the fluids are actually the the yin aspect, the cooling aspect. So they nourish, they nourish the fluids, they nourish your, they actually nourish your physical body, like they nourish the way where your eyes are and where your, how your joints work and how your hormones work and all of those things. So the fluids contribute to communication by creating a, a medium, you could say, for communication. So you can see that in the world. Again, from my original explanation, if you look at the way, nothing moves without fluids. You can't, you can't move in the world, you couldn't move your body, and nothing would move in the world without fluid. Energy makes it move, or you could say yang aspect makes it move. When sunlight hits it and warms it up, it wants to move, but without fluid, it couldn't do that. So you need both. Yes, exactly. And I, we're going to get into maybe some of the excess and deficiency and what that looks like in a little bit. But I want to, you mentioned the meridians and I kind of, I want to touch on that also, because that's a very important way of understanding the body. And I think um, in Western culture, we talk about it a lot like energy pathways or that it's sort of like this vibes thing, you know, which is like, to me, it's just so stunted. Um, the way I understand meridians is that it is a pathway that shunts these vital substances, but it's actually more than that also. And these are the actual structure and tissues of the body. Is that correct? Oh, I think it's, it's certainly correct to think that we have substance, we have, we have sinews, we have organs, we have blood vessels, absolutely. And we name them. They're, they're, they're in Chinese medicine, they don't ignore the fact that you have these structures they just say, it's a, it's a little bit of a, I guess you could call it a nuance, that you have that structure, but uh, it has to be in the right relationship with the fluids and the uh, mediumship in order for it to be activated for actually something to happen. So, you know, you, you have a body, but unless you have spirit, unless you have something moving through it, or you create some kind of energy, you won't. You won't have an animate situation. Um, so um, the meridian systems actually comprise our, we have, we have 
the way I see it, three uh, structural systems and two on-demand systems. So this is particular to the classical view, but it's easy to understand if you understand you have sinews that move your body, that, that move your skeleton, you have your skeleton, and then you have the things that nourish your, your sinews and your skeleton, right? So um, that's kind of a very simple way to say it, but that would be the sinew meridians, the primary meridians, and what we call the eight extraordinary meridians, which um, the eight extraordinary are your basic structure. They make up your pelvis and, and your spine and your cranium, your, your brain, you know, your skull, I mean, where your brain can live. So um, we think of those three as being structurally uh, foundational. And then we have what we call the on-demand systems that are there when things happen that you need to uh, deal with. Um, which I won't get into because it's complicated, but but they're there and you can see them um, Like for example when you bump your foot and you get a bruise That's what we call the low vessels. That's a way that your body manages that accident um, And we have what's called the divergent channels, which are um, the way we manage life-threatening things um, so um, that's the, the classical view. You have all of those systems, um, some of which are structural and some which appear when needed. Okay. And so, okay, so then we have yin and yang, and we have the blood and the fluids, um, these vital substances, and we have the meridians. And then, of course, we have the organs that are associated with all of those things, correct? We have, I think it's the spleen, is it pre- Prenatal chi is, is associated with the, the spleen, or the spleen is it? And the kidneys. The spleen and the, and the kidneys. kidneys. So okay. You're probably thinking about the chong, what's called the chong mai, or the penetrating vessel, which before you're born, so um, before you're born, um, the way Chinese medicine describes conception, you have water and you have fire. You have you have the water of earth, what's called earth, but that's actually kidney energy in the physical body. Before it becomes kidney energy, it's we call it water. And then when it becomes you, we call it earth, postnatal earth. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. And so these organ systems also um, move these, these um, the fluids and the chi the moves through the, um, through the channels through these organs. The way that I understand it in, in traditional Chinese medicine is there's, is it six organs or um, there's like a division, six yin and six yang. Is that correct? Or I'm not sure there's if you're aware. Five, there's five yin organ systems and six. Okay. Yin. Oh, I was close. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because the reason is because we have um, what, what we don't describe as a separate organ called the pericardium. So right. oh, yeah. the heart and we have the pericardium, those are both, they're both yin systems, but we don't describe the pericardium as a separate uh, zong organ. So um, that's why it ends up being that. But there are 12 primary meridians. So what I like to say about the organs and the meridian systems is that I think it's best to think about them as little uh, spheres of influence. And so a system includes the organ, the pathway, the channel pathway, and all the structures that might be involved with 
utilizing whatever that organ system governs. So, um, so for example, take the stomach, which is an easy channel, goes from the eyes down to the feet, and it, it goes over so much of the body, goes through the breast, goes through the abdomen, goes down to the foot. So it governs the stomach itself, but it also governs the thin fluids. Um, choosing the stomach because it's because we talked about fluids a little bit and what it does with those thin fluids is actually moisturize your eyes and ears and nose and mouth so that you can see and hear and smell and taste if it didn't do that you couldn't see and hear and smell and taste so it uses those thin fluids which have to come from what you drink what you actually put in your stomach and then the stomach has to transform that and steam it up into your uh, sense organs so that you can have perception and then of course it digests the food and moves downward but it also does the yang part goes up and the yin part goes down which is which is typical of yin and yang right because yang is warm and light mm -hmm. and yin is cold and damp or heavy so it goes downward that would be the food that you eat right okay so then on the back of that According to the system, then, when those are in balance, when the yin and the yang and the chi and the blood and the meridians are all balanced, then we're healthy. And then that's where we come back to the excess and deficiency. So symptoms happen when there's an excess or a deficiency in one of these areas. So can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe what, what the causes are, first of all, and what some of those symptoms look like in terms of Chinese medicine. Yeah. Well, so one thing I want to say about balance is that it's dynamic, which means it's never the same way twice. So that's one of our one of our problems in Western culture is that we want to keep things the same. And of course, we think if we do that, we're going to stay healthy. But the issue is that when things on the outside change and then we don't change, we have a problem. Right. So. <laughs> it comes about that we have either excess or deficiency, but it's in relationship once again. It's that same idea. We have to go back to the idea of how do we relate to the things that are changing. One of the most common causes of illness of any kind, but primarily virus, because it's the easiest one to talk about, is um, things change and we don't change. And so that can look like either excess or deficiency depending on the person. So for example, if a person has a tremendous amount of heat in their body and the thing that comes along is cold, we think of viruses as cold, and we also think that they always have wind or the, what's equivalent to the word wind is change. So things happen depending on how fast. So if they have a lot of heat, they are generally better at moving more quickly. And you can see that because heat promotes movement. Mm -hmm. So if they move more quickly, then often these are people who would tell you they never get sick. Because what happens is they need something and they just, they just move with it. They just go with it because they have enough heat to keep going even in the face of that cold. But if you take somebody who does not have that, and that is more frequently women or people who are... Um, older people or people who are disabled in some way who might not have a lot of yang chi for one reason or another. And that cold comes along 
and it basically um, adds to the cold that they have. So now they have excess cold mm -hmm. and they become paralyzed or immobilized or um, they get a head full of snot and they can't breathe and they have to sleep all the time and they don't feel hungry and you know all of their normal functions have been slowed down or impaired. Um, so that's one way of thinking about it. Yeah, so then if you use cold herbs or, or plants that have the cold quality, that would also worsen it, right? That's correct. And so this is, this is, again, one of those things that makes Chinese medicine so powerful is that you can look at each person and see that the same person exposed to the same situation might have a different response because they are different. And then you tailor what you offer to them based on that difference. So you look at the nature of the plant substance and you have to match that to what you see happening in that person. So if they have heat, then you want to apply something that's cooling. But if they have cold, then you want to apply something that's warming. And a really good example of this that's easy to think about is peppermint and cinnamon, because those are so common mm -hmm. to people. Peppermint is cooling. So it works great for people who tend to get a sore throat, which is a heat symptom, or red eyes, or headache, or flushed, fe feverish feeling as one of their signal symptoms at the beginning of a cold, for example. Then peppermint is going to be, and lavender, these are common and they're cooling, going to be more effective for them. But for somebody whose first symptom is kind of fatigue and scratchy throat and maybe uh, they might just feel depressed even, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be needing warmth. They're actually going to need cinnamon or um, what's another common one? Basil is warming also um, and externally time. warming. Time. Time. To us, time is cooling. And uh, mm. especially the vulgaris, the linalol might be less cooling. Um, and, you know, but time is great. Time is great because from my point of view, it helps people mobilize their uh, core energy, has a relationship with the kidneys. So this is sometimes very, very important, especially relating with the outside world, that one of the reasons people feel vulnerable or become vulnerable is that they don't want to take a stand in the world and they get overwhelmed by the amount of input you could say from the environment especially if they have to go to school or they have to go to work and they have to be surrounded by people and they might have a different body system than the people they work with and the people they work with do one thing and they need to do another thing and having the ability to sort of stand up for themselves and say what they need uh, time is great for that and mm -hmm. uh, helps them to uh, feel protected. Tea tree too, actually. And tea tree is a little bit cooling also, but it helps people feel less vulnerable. And this is because for us, because it actually has a relationship with the kidney and bladder, the water system. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what about the meridians? So I've heard somebody um, explain the meridians like that they have points, which we know as acupressure points or acupuncture points. And that's where chi kind of pools, for lack of a better word. And then in classical Chinese medicine or tr traditional Chinese medicine, we use herbs there, we use moxibustion, we use acupuncture, gua sha to access and stimulate movement. So how do essential oils work 
hmm. with this um, system? And yeah. is there a best technique or is there, do they work here? Well, they definitely work on the body. Yeah. <laughs> um, the great thing about essential oils, which is different than using a needle or your hands, you know, when I love the way you're talking about acupuncture points, we, they're, they're, the name for an acupuncture point is actually, it's a ditch. It's actually a, a depression or a, a place along the way where things could collect. They're not mm -hmm. always collected there, which is to say that on a given pathway, all the points won't always be active. So you can use a needle, you can use a stone, you can use an essential oil to activate a particular point. Now, that might mean you could disperse at that point, you could make energy move away, or you could call energy to that place. You could make a relationship that pulls energy in. So you have to be sure what you want to do there. So in terms of working with essential oils, I for most people, since they don't know the whole system, I say it's pretty, it's easier to think of it in a general way, like use the abdomen or use the chest or use the back, um, use the lower back, use the places where you can access a certain type of energy without having to know the points. But you can absolutely use them at the points if you understand the system. And um, I teach people how to do that all the time. But in, whenever we look at plants, when we look at herbs or essential oils, we also think of them as resonating with different systems in the body. So like you mentioned, the spleen or the stomach. So when you choose the place where you want to put the essential oil on the body, you would be thinking about both, two things. You would be thinking about where essence, because we know that essential oils have essence, we would be thinking about where essence was accessible, and then we would be thinking about which system we were interested, what organ system we were interested in. You can do that by general areas like chest and abdomen and back, where if you don't know acupuncture points, you can still use the essential oils by understanding um, the energetics of those areas of the body and knowing what, you know, digestion and around the solar plexus or, you know, the ovaries or around the upper back where wind gates are and this kind of thing. So you don't need to know the points as much. So are you matching um, characteristics then or energetics of the, the oil? So, and how it's going to, you know, um, move, is it chi that I'm saying, move chi upward or downward? or like move through the triple burner? Is that kind of what you're like, whether it's moistening, whether it's drying, whether it's hot, whether it's cooling, are you also incorporating that into the meridian? Or is that kind of different? So first I'm <laughs> gonna decide with the person, right? What the person is in need of, that's the first thing. First I have to look at this person and I have to decide where where am I going to meet them? What are they suffering on the surface? Are they suffering deep inside? Which channel systems are involved? Which I'm going to determine by looking at them and talking to them and taking their pulses and looking at their tongue. So lots of ways I'm going to determine that and I would say you could use whatever way you know how. You know, if it's yourself, you have your own experience of where things are going on. So then we have the substance, the essential oil, and we evaluate that essential oil so different than in Western aromatherapy. We evaluate that essential oil the same way we would evaluate um, a plant substance, like a Chinese herbal medicinal plant. 
um, which is to say we we decide its nature it's hot or cold it has a flavor which is the ones you're familiar with it's sour sweet salty spicy uh, bland and we decide which channel systems we think it resonates with i often invite people by the way to experiment with this for themselves because we say that smell is so individual i'm sure you know this that everybody has different experience of the same smell so it's we say very useful for you as the practitioner whatever kind you are to have the experience of the substance yourself to work see how does it work in you so you had no more about how it will work in somebody else um so then we've assigned like i was saying about tea tree it, it resonates with the lung and the bladder so for us that's the the lung and large intestine is the metal system and the bladder and the kidney is the water system so i know that's for somebody who um, works very hard, might feel burnt out, and might be feeling vulnerable, um, for example. So I'm going to call on that particular substance because it resonates with that person's characteristic. But there are other melaleucas, for example. We have mm -hmm. Nyuli MQV, right, and Kajaput, which I adore, um, because it has a little bit of a different tweak to it. They all resonate with the lung and the kidney systems, the metal and the water, but they have different aspects. So mm -hmm. Nyuli is harsher and stronger, and in a way it tonifies more. So um, particularly for uh, the kidneys so and the hormone system. So it's often the one that I would choose of those melaleucas for somebody who had, um, for women probably, mm -hmm. who, have more in hormone involvement in their life in general and Kajaput has more of a blood aspect so it actually moves the blood so I like it for people who tend to get more of a blood response to things that happen to them um, they tend to easily get bruised they tend to easily swell up um, they might tend to get easily emotional um, then Kajaput might be very useful for them mm -hmm. so um, we're, we're, we're analyzing the plant in the same way we might analyze a person and then we're, we're matching them up. Right. And I think that's a really important, uh, distinction to make because we, um, and understanding the energetics. And when we talk about energetics, like it's just such a different thing than what Western people understand. So it's like, it's just good to get into, it's like talking about, the interact the the nature of the plant or the oil and the way it behaves in the body, um, which is really important. But also, you spoke about um, emotions, and we really take in Western aromatherapy, we really take a really scientific approach to to aromatherapy and emotions. It's like, okay, this constituent interacts with this biochemical and this part of the brain, and this is what it's going to do, whatever, right? But emotions in Chinese medicine also affect the chi um, and all of your systems. Um, so how do you use, can you kind of go into a little bit more about how you use essential oils for emotions in this context? Yeah, this is a great question. I love this question. So interestingly, so this, re the emotions resonate with yin chi. If you remember my little, my little framework, 
um, the nutritive chi, the way the way we function in our world. Like we say about the quality of the blood, that it it actually dictates how present we can be in our world. Whether your skin looks glowing, whether you have vitality. So, interestingly, the essential oils themselves don't affect the yin chi, but because they affect the yuan chi, the essence chi, which informs your uh, ability to uh, get what you need from your world, right? That that. So that's the way I would talk about what we call Sanjiao, the triple burner, which brings essence from the kidneys to each of the organ systems. And I would say that that's the vitality of knowing how to get what you need from what you eat and what you drink and from your interactions. And your emotions represent the way you feel that, the way the way that actually arises for you. Like, you know, you're you're a person and you sit down at the table with your family and some of them like the food that's been prepared and some of them don't. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that family, right? <laughs> and you could say the nutrition is equally good across the board, but you still have your your personal uh, preferences, your personal way that you experience that. So essential oils can help us to um, harmonize or make peace with who we are on that level, right? So we get we get the food put in front of us. Your kid gets broccoli, and they say ew, and you want to say to them, that's not you, that's good food. And they want to say you because it's new. So new is change. So you give them a little bit of something that actually helps them move through change. Peppermint would be one of those. And since we've already mentioned it, we can say peppermint is great for wind, for change, for opening their eyes, helping them see something different. And just to give them a little whiff of that and their whole mood might change in that moment. They might be ready for something new. So um, that's one way. Another way is, uh, for example, a lot of times sleep is another big issue, right? For people, the conditions around which they can sleep. So we say, especially around sleep, that the blood has to go back sort of inward. We have to be willing to stop relating with the outside world. So for that, we want the oils that take us to the essence. We want those oils that bring us closer in, deeper in to ourselves. And we call those calming spirit. We call them calming the Shen. And um, sandalwood, frankincense, some of the the big flower oils, neroli and rose and um, jasmine. Geranium. Yeah, geranium is similar to rose. They both um, geranium is a little, um, ger- geranium is a little less nourishing and a little more moving. And rose is like, a very nourishing, very soothing. Um, <laughs> sometimes I say rose makes me feel more emotional, mm-hmm. but in a good way, you know, it yeah. makes me feel more available to my own emotions. Yeah. Geranium um, can be a little bit harsh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's also great because it's astringent. So for somebody who's experiencing too much emotion, too much uh, turmoil, it will just pair that right back. So, you know, those little astringent oils are so good for that. This is like the draining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Nioli is good with it too for that reason because Nioli is a little bit astringent mm -hmm. as well. And usually people who are so overwhelmed by emotion, you know, from my point of view, they have kidney instability, some kind of um, weakness at the root. And so the heavier uh, oil or things that resonate on the essence level are going to be um, very helpful. And so some of the emotions are a cause of excess or deficiency, right? So do you use essential oils to specifically address that then? You can. It's funny because the language is, it's tough. The language I, I, um, part of my, part of my history is that I went to Taiwan to learn Chinese language and it definitely changed my brain a lot. I did find an essential oil person while I was there living in Taipei and, um, got to play with the essential oils there too. But, uh, yeah, we, we, um, can have what we call too much emotion, but most of the time that is being afraid to experience it fully. And one mm. of the things I love about the essential oils is their capacity to, it's like they expand our capacity because of their substance, they give us more. And so we can hold more. And in a way they give us back to ourselves because of that, which I really appreciate about it. It's not like taking the emotion away. And deficiency in the case of emotions to me is um, again, mostly related to deficiency in an organ system. And when that's true, we say that if you're deficient, for example, in um, let's say the liver, uh, system, if you have weakness there, then your capacity to express anger is limited. Now that doesn't mean you don't feel it, but it means you have limited capacity to express it. That means it causes damage internally because you hold it and you don't express it. And obviously there's, you know, express emotion, repress emotion, suppress emotion, extinguish emotion, and, um, how was I saying it the other day? I was just talking about this. You know, there's as there's five five organ yin organ systems, and we say there are five ways to work with a given emotion. From the classical point of view, all of your organ systems can have all the emotions. They just have a particular one that they're better at working with in a particular way. So the liver is good for expression. So when we do anything else with emotion, it hurts the liver if we don't express ourselves. Mm -hmm. So somebody who's like going through life, not expressing themselves and repressing or suppressing emotion is going to, is going to probably get uncomfortable or have something you might call illness or disease based on that. Um, so the, the thing that I love about essential oils is that they are a beautiful way to add as well as move or quote unquote, take away. And by take away, it means like you said, they activate our draining system. They activate our ability to let go or to get something to go through us, or they activate our ability to open the windows and let the heat out and let stuff out the windows. Right? So that's a great way too. Um, that's the quickest. And one of the most amazing things is that, you know, you can smell an essential oil. You don't have to do anything else with it, but inhale it. And automatically you open the windows and some of that can go out, whatever it is that's been bothering you. I think that's the, the greatest way that I experience emotional impact of essential oils is the moving. Mm -hmm. um, it's the moving of emotion. I think that we get stuck emotions. When we're stuck in, a, in just 
on something or in a phase of a certain part of thing that we're constantly feeling, it's stuck. And I feel like that's kind of what like aromatherapy does for me is just help move that for sure. Just like my favorite part, my favorite part of how they work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you were asking a little bit about about methods of, you know, application. Mm -hmm. I would say that inhalation, obviously, is like the easiest, best and simplest way to use them. And you can use them in all other kinds of ways. I mean, you can make a body rub, you can put them in the bath, you can, you can put them in, uh, I put them in my cocoa in the morning, Mm -hmm. I put them into my drink, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, you can do all kinds of things, but of course they're easily accessible just, just by inhalation. Um, and particularly for the things that most people are, um, experiencing, you know, for external um, wind and cold or wind and heat for virus or mm-hmm. um, any of that inhalation going to be like super front line. And if you flip to this, the Western view, it's, I mean, the quickest route to accessing your brain. So that's right. Hours. So that's there you right. go. <laughs> right. Instantly, instantly. I mean, they use pine uh, essential oil and burn wards to protect mm-hmm. from infection. They use lavender absolutely Uh, to heal the wounds and all of that yeah awesome well thank you so much this is amazing i love hearing just different perspectives of traditional ways of doing things or um healing systems and how they use oils because it's interesting to me so where can we learn more about you and about your programs yeah so the nectarofplants.com is the place where all my um essential oils courses live um all of them featured Chinese medicine because I can't take that out of me anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been too long. Um, but I try to make it accessible for people. So um, I do have a little, just because we've talked so much about the essence, I did a little three hour one on the essence called From Seed to Blossom, which is just about nourishing the essence with essential oils, which I think is fun for anyone. But um, there's also a three part course that goes over the the framework that I mentioned that there's the first section which is called strength and survival which is about our relationship with the outside world and then there's the second part called heart and will which is about working with emotions um, working with the ying chi and then the third part um, is called individuation and evolution about working with our essence so um, that follows our the way we the way we mapped it out factorofplants.com <laughs> awesome well thank you so much it was so wonderful to chat with you Yeah, thank you so much. It's a delight. Okay, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be forever indebted. For more information on aromatherapy or herbs, please visit thearomatherapist.ca. If you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Instagram at Cheryl the Herbalist. And you can find the show on Instagram at the.aromatherapist. As always... We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Cheryl, and I am the aromatherapist.
This podcast is for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. This podcast and the guests thereof do not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, information, herbs, supplements, or any other product that may be mentioned. Reliance on any information provided is solely at your own risk. We recommend you speak to your healthcare provider, your pharmacist, and a trained herbalist or aromatherapist before commencing any programs.